Fans, welcome to the Brewers Trilogy Podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy, the podcast for not only the diehard baseball fans, but also those fans who enjoy cheering for a team that revolves around beer. My name is Tyler, aka T Plush, your host for the show. I'm a contributor for reviewing the brew for Fansided and one of the founders of the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy Podcast, where you can find all the work we do on Twitter at trilogy underscore pod. Join, joining me, as always, is good buddy Trevor, a.k.a. Sunshine Bender. You can find him on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. He is a host of the Packers Trilogy podcast, in which there was really good Packer news. So make sure you uh, check out that podcast for all the latest Kenny Clark details. But, Trevor, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. If you listen to the Packers Trilogy podcast, as you know, I... That was like number one on my list um, between him and David Bakhtiari. I thought those were like need to signings for the Packers and getting them done sooner rather than later. Hopefully being able to shed some of that cap onto this year's salary cap should be a good thing. I don't think all the details has, has come out on that yet, but you know, that's exciting. Other than that, Saturday had a relaxing day, uh, a lot more relaxing than you had. But it was a good weekend overall until I woke up this morning, which is Sunday as we're recording this. And I don't know what made me look other than my new keyser that I built and is operational and everything. I look out to where see where that is, and one of my, like, it's just like a plug to prevent dripping and stuff. I had that on there, and it wasn't on there, which I thought was weird. And I open up the keyser, and five gallons of beer is sitting in the bottom of my freaking keyser. So that was a bit frustrating. That was quite a bit of money down the drain because no one outside of my girlfriend got to taste it. Well, me and my girlfriend. So that was a bit frustrating. I don't have any of that beer to give you, Tyler. So frustrating day today, but overall a fairly good weekend minus the 40 to 50 bottles worth of beer that was leaked all over the inside of my freezer man wow yeah that's <laughs> that's very unfortunate uh, you just dropped that bomb on me right now as we're recording this so <laughs> my face is i'm shocked right now yikes <laughs> yeah and the worst part about for those who don't know tyler bought a like basically a mini keg that's going to allow him to keep the beer carbonated and keep it fresh and he goes out and buys that specifically for this batch and obviously future batches as well. And then this freaking happens and now I don't have anything to show for it. So that was it definitely frustrating. But on the other hand, like we talked about, great news for the Packers that got me pumped. And hey, I said, let's take three out of four. That would be huge. And what do you know? The Brewers go out and do it. 
Yes, they certainly did. That was a very exciting weekend of baseball. So let's jump into it. We'll start off with the one negative, which was the first game of the series on Thursday night. That was the game the Brewers lost 4-2, to and Yu Darvish took a no-hitter into the seventh until Smoke launched a solo homer. The Brewers brought forth Brett Anderson and Corbin Burns. They piggybacked to go through the entire game, giving up four runs between the two of them. The Brewers would show some signs of life in the ninth. They drove in a run, but then Narvaez was the time run eventually and couldn't deliver. He smashed the bat on the ground. I think he, like, smashed every bat he broke. Or, wow, that didn't make sense. I think he smashed his bat every at bat <laughs> and during the game on Thursday. He just he was so frustrated, just broke them all. <laughs> game two was a 4-3 to three win. That was the start that Brandon Woodruff was in for. He was cruising along and then just fell apart in the fifth inning. That's the first time we've seen that from him. He gave up all three of his runs in that inning. Freddie Peralta came in and cleaned up his nice quite well, ended up striking out five out of the seven batters he faced. Christian Yelich had hit a three-run homer in the sixth that would put the Brewers up, and then Josh Hader got a multi-inning save, and it was a very hard save for him. Racked up the pitch count, but got it nonetheless. Game three was a 6-5 win in the 10th inning. The Brewers went down 3-0 early as Hauser labored through the first inning. The Brewers would get runs in the 4th and 6th innings to take a 4-3 lead. In the 8th, that's when Corey Knebel gave up the solo shot off the bat of Souza Jr. That tied the game. And then Avisil Garcia would deliver a double in extra innings. Uris would come through with an RBI single as well. And then the Brewers would rely on Alex Claudio to get the save in the 10th. And then the last game was another 6-5 win, this time in nine innings. Josh Lindblom was on the mound, and very similar to Hauser, he gave up three runs in the first inning, so playing from behind again. Kesson here would eventually tie the game with one swing of the bat, breaking the slump he was in, hit a three-run bomb. In the fifth, the Brewers went up two runs with an Orlando Arcia home run. The Cubs unfortunately answered right back as Lindblom struggled in the fifth, and the Cubs got both of those runs back. But who else than Ryan Braun would eventually deliver the game-winning run in the seventh, and then Hayter picks up the save. So, like you said, Trevor, taking three out of four is huge. What would you think about this series? I mean, overall, it was great. I do think it's it's still a little bit frustrating that it's like constant come from behind. As you mentioned, that's basically what it was the whole series, and it's just pretty frustrating but the fact that the offense is kind of coming alive a little bit and being able to get runs in in bunches for the most part i mean today three run home run from keston in the third inning and then like you said arcia with the home run in the fifth to go up two runs you know they're getting them kind of in bunches and those bunches are coming a little bit closer together. It seemed like they maybe would get that one time a game prior to this series. Well, they were a lot more consistent in getting, you know, two, three runs in an inning in this series than they had been before. Um, and outside of you Darvish, I think overall the, the offense was great. I think the bullpen was phenomenal. The starters struggled. Definitely. Typically those have been the guys that have been playing extremely well, uh, or pitching extremely well, and you know, you mentioned it. Woody was on fire, and then just all of a sudden went downhill tremendously. And Freddie Peralta comes in and cleans that up. And 
I just thought overall the offense shined a little bit, the starting pitching not so much, and then the bullpen did exactly what they needed to do. And they the Brewers won every game by one run, so the bullpen has to be spot on, and they were outside of Corey Knable and I watched that with my family and my girlfriend, and I called that. They brought in Knable. I'm like, it's going to be a tie game, or we're going to be losing after this inning. And what happened? Corey Knable pitches a third of an inning, and it's tied. <laughs> yeah, that was unfortunate for Knable, and he's had a really rough go to begin the year. I mean, I just Let's, don't quite get why that spot should he should have been brought in at that spot. I don't think he's ready for those yet. Exactly. Let's... I, you need to get him work because he's going to be very beneficial down the stretch into the postseason this year. I think we need to get him to a point of he is that you know eighth inning guy, but right now it's just not it. Let's put him in that first time I think he was in this year was that fourth inning closer, quote-unquote, where the starter was struggling. Get him in in a semi-high leverage situation, but at that point in the game, it's not as important, but let him figure it out at that point and then slowly get him more into the higher leverage situations later in the game because we need to get him going somehow, whether that be bring him in early on, you know, starter goes five and you decide to bring in the bullpen starting in the sixth and you bring in Knable, low stress, and just let him figure it out and then slowly build that stress up to a point where you can have him in the seventh, eighth inning. But the way Phelps and Williams are pitching, I don't know if you you really necessarily want to mess with that. So you have the luxury right now to let Knable figure it out in that earlier relief role um, until he gets his stuff back and he's back to the Corey Knable that we know and love. Yeah, and I can kind of see Craig Council's reasonings for bring him in, bringing him in because Williams and Phelps pitched the game before when Knable is in. But then again, mm-hmm. they both went one inning. Like I know Council doesn't like to use his high leverage guys on back to back nights, but it's the Cubs, man. You gotta you gotta let loose a little bit there. So that also brings me to the next point. We had to rely on Alex Claudio for a save. So how nervous were you when he was on the mound in the tenth? <laughs> um. Well, I did not sit down in the 10th, and was it Albert Almora that was running? That was a ballsy-ass time that he went in the 10th. It was a grounder to shortstop, I believe. They kind of looked him back a little bit, which hesitated him enough, made the throw to first, and he went as soon as it was decided, or maybe it was third baseman. I can't remember. Yeah, it was the third baseman. Um, anyways, they make the throw to first, and he goes, and that was really ballsy. <laughs> um, but I think Claudio, for having a guy on second with nobody out, and that's the only run allowed, and, you know, your team gets you two, you you kind of just, in my opinion, if you get two in the top of the 10th, it's a lot easier for that pitcher coming in knowing that, okay, I can just let this guy score. I just have to get the next three guys out, and that's all that matters. So, I feel like, it. yeah, it's stressful having that guy on, but if you get an extra run, it it really is like a normal extra inning game. Like it's the Brewers are up one run instead of two with this new rule that they have. But I wasn't too worried, especially when it was two outs and the Brewers were up a run. Yeah, getting two is, that's an optimal position, like you said, and even more so for Alex Claudio. I mean, he does have closing experience, did it with the Rangers for 
many years, but hasn't really done that for the Brewers. So getting getting a two-run lead was nice. And, you know, I, I'm kind of curious if the Brewers would have only gotten one, would they have went with Hayter? Nah, probably still not. I think he threw like 30 pitches on Friday when he picked up that first save. So it, it probably would have been Claudio anyway, regardless. But and they had, uh, now I can't remember, but they had two guys warming up. I think it was Yardley and Claudio, and they went with Claudio in the in the 10th. Ah, yeah, that makes sense. So other guys who kind of shined a little bit here and kind of got me thinking off our exercise that we did last podcast where we were constructing different Brewer lineups was Luis Urias. He had a hell of a series. So do you think we've seen enough from him to say we should move him up in the batting order, or do you like him kind of in that 8-9 spot there? So... I think he's playing well enough to deserve a bump up in the lineup, but I really, really like what him and RC are doing. So if you look at Urias's just the Cubs series, he was six for 11, which is a 545 batting average. Now, obviously, that's not something that he's going to be able to maintain long term, and definitely you can't expect that, but. You know, he's batting over 400. I think it was 400 going into this game, and he had a great game on Sunday. I mean, I think he deserves it the way he's been playing, but I love that when we get to our 8-9 hitters, it's not like you can just think that you're going to get right by them. And it actually, I have confidence when we get to those two guys in Luis and Arcia, I think they both are getting on base enough that keeping them there, you have like two worthy guys that could actually be leadoff hitters for you the way they're hitting at the plate right now. I think Arcia's are up around 300 batting average, so they're getting on base a ton. So why not keep them together at the bottom of the order, and then you get your whoever the hell Craig Council is going to put in the leadoff, and then you got Keston, Yelich, Avi, or Smoke, or Jerko, or whoever they're putting in the four spot. That just makes it a lot easier for those guys to get production, get RBIs, and likely could lead to extra runs. And I think that's why the Brewers did so good because the bottom of the order was so effective and then you get to the top of the order and it's hard to get those guys out and the Brewers are just a lot more effective when they have those guys that are hitting well at the bottom. Even if the guys at the top aren't playing to their normal standards, I think it has tremendously helped them. So I like having... Urias and Arcia down in the eight and nine holes. You can flip them around. I don't really care, but I just love those two down there, the way they're hitting right now. Yeah, that's a good point, especially, you know, if Ryan Braun stays at leadoff like he did on Sunday, that's easy run production for him. You know, he's at least going to give you a good at bat because Sogard hasn't been in the leadoff as much lately. They tried Nervaez this series too, and that was just a flop. Like his offense this year is terrible. So, Maybe Braun is in there to stay. I don't know. We'll we'll see. I think part of it today had to deal with a lefty being on the mound and John Lester. But, you know, will they keep him in there for righties? I don't know. Maybe. And hopefully hopefully Braun's back to actually getting some more consistent playing time. So that would be helpful for the Spurs offense as well. With that being said, let's move into our series MVP. And series dud. Which one do you want to start with today, Trevor? I like starting with the MVP. I am 
I'm I'm gonna do it, Tyler, just because we haven't set official rules for this. I'm giving co MVPs and to those guys I was just talking about. Luis Urias was six for eleven, like I said, five forty five batting average, two RBIs, a walk, a triple. The guy was hitting to the opposite field, taking what the pitcher gave to him. He looked so good, and I was extremely impressed with his series. And I'm also going to give it to Arcia because I think those two really propelled this team to victories. Now, they didn't get all the RBIs and everything like that. They had four or five between the two of them. But that's a lot of production from those guys. And it, like I said, it allows the top of the order to get some more production, especially from that leadoff and and then Keston as well. It gives them opportunities to get a lot of production. So I'm going to give it to those two because they really, really impressed me. My honorable mentions, I think you have to mention most of the bullpen. But I think Hayter definitely deserves some consideration for this. We talked about it last week. He's really got to impress us, and he really did. He did a great job. Wasn't like vintage Josh Hader outings, but getting two saves is a big deal, and that was awesome. Just these two impressed me a little bit more. Um, and then – I think you also got to give some credit to Freddie Peralta, Williams, Phelps, even Suter. I think all of those guys deserve mentions because they, they did incredible this time. Um, one other person I want to mention, and I don't want to be like saying he's honorable mention for me, is Justin Smoke seems to be figuring it out a little bit. He batted 250 for the series, 4 of 16, but it looked like he was putting together a little bit better at, at bats. It looked like a lot of times when he wasn't getting hits, he was lining out hard. I do not think he struck out in the series. He had a home run, two doubles, four RBIs. I think he's starting to come around. So that is exciting, exciting stuff there. Hmm. Yeah, I I like your MVPs there. I'll let you keep doing co's. It's fitting. So I'm going to go with Josh Hader for mine, just because I know my dad is going to give me a lot of shit if I don't. So two saves, and both of them were... None of them really, yeah, like you said, vintage. He didn't just cruise right through the innings. He had to work, and his slider command was just not there at all, really, in both of the saves he picked up, and he kind of went away from it in the series finale on Sunday through a lot of lot more fastballs than what he had been this year and kind of looked more like last year, but still able to get through and you know grit through them saves, and that's important. I think honorable mentions for me would be the two high leverage guys in Phelps and Williams. They both threw two innings, Williams 2.1 innings, five strikeouts for Devin Williams, and then four strikeouts for Phelps. And they they made their job, their job was easy. Like, they cruised through the lineups. <laughs> you know, we talk about players who have to impress us, and, you know, sure, Hayter picked up two saves, and it, it was hard, but these other two guys, they were just so good, they might kind of go unnoticed, you know, so I want to make sure we highlight them as well. And Yeah, you are mentioning Justin Smoke. He really hit well in the beginning part of the series, so it was good to see signs of life from there. Four, four ribbies this series? I'll take that any day. Yeah, if, I mean, if he's a 250 hitter for the rest of the year and he, you know, contributes – two to five RBIs uh, in a four-game series, a home run here and there. Like, he doesn't have to hit 350. If he's hitting 250, getting some pop, getting some doubles, things like that, I think that is really all we want or need from him. And having someone consistent like that, you know, batting 250 to 270, have some pop, that's a guy that you feel a little bit more comfortable putting behind 
Christian Yelich a little bit more and not to a point where they feel like they just don't have to pitch to Yelich and they have to have Yelich be able to hit and otherwise Smoke's going to make you pay because if he continues what he did this series, I think that's going to be a little bit more pronounced and we're going to see a lot of benefit from Christian Yelich's standpoint. But you're right. Those two, Phelps and Williams, I mean, Hayter did got the saves, but without those two, Hayter doesn't get that opportunity because those two were phenomenal. Williams, that guy's got an unbelievable changeup. I do not understand how that moves that much. It is it is ridiculous. And on top of it, it's like, what, 12 to 15 miles an hour slower than his fastball? Like, I don't understand how any hitter can adjust to what he's throwing. One, because of the movement and the change of pace is just unbelievable. Yeah, the pitching overlays from the pitching ninja have been, they're just incredible. They're crazy to watch. You have to go on Twitter and check those out. And Williams actually tweeted out, he's like, oh, you know, I can check this off my bucket list. He finally got on that. So it was cool to see him tweet that out. Let's switch over to the negatives, though. Let's go with the series dud. I'm going to start here with Omar Narvaez as my dud. I mean, 0 for 9. I mentioned in the game recaps he was snapping his bat over his knees in frustration, and it's starting to show. His batting average is under 200. It's ugly. I don't even think his slugging percentage is over 200. It's that bad. And, yeah, again, this series, Manny Pena kind of made the case even more to get more playing time than Omar Narvaez. So that is my big dud. Not even a hit this series. Yikes. Yeah, I was considering double down, doubling down on Narvaez there. I know the starting pitching wasn't great, but I don't think it was terrible enough to warrant a dud from me. So the guy I'm going to go with, and a guy that I knew wasn't going to be a 300 hitter, but we expected to be able to get on base, and that's Eric Sogard. Two for 13, four strikeouts, did not have a walk. That's the thing that, like, we need him to get on base, and that's what he's there for, and he's we know he's not going to be a 330 hitter and stuff like that, but just be consistent, hit 250, get on base over, you know, on, on base percentage over 300, 320, 350, somewhere in there. But this series really knocked down both of those. Um, I believe he was over 350-ish before this series started, and now he's 328 for on-base percentage because it it was not good. Um, so that's who I'm going to have to put as my series dud. And the good thing, outside of Nervias and Sogard, and maybe Ben Gamble, I don't think there's a lot of other players that really warrant a lot of serious consideration for this this week or this series which is really really awesome yeah gamble is going to be one of my honorable mentions hitless again three strikeouts and seven at bats did draw one walk but it's good that ryan braun is back now and we have the ability to play brawny in the outfield i do think another consideration for me and if it wasn't before this sunday game is kesson Hira. he was just struggling and collected both of his hits on sunday and you know sure one of them was a three-run homer, and that was very much needed, but two of 16 this series, six strikeouts, and I had people at the bar this weekend asking me, what's going on with Keston this year? You know, he's supposed to be so good, and it's like, the answer is, I don't really know. I mean, it's it's year two. Is it sophomore slump? Is it just the pressure of the season so far? I mean, he's just missing on fastballs. It's crazy, so 
he needs to figure out some sort of timing there. And, you know, he does have the big leg kick. Maybe it's a small adjustment. He, But he's got to put in some work here and get a little bit more consistent because when he's hitting, he's hitting in bunches, and it's great. But when he's not, it's, it's long stretches where he just goes, you know, 0 for 12 or 0 for 14 or whatever he ends up going. So honorable mention for me, Keston as well. All right, let's switch over to the Twin Series. We have them again. Gosh dang it. So this time we will see Corbin Burns in the rotation. He'll get the ball on Tuesday facing Kenta Maeda. So that'll be a fun matchup to watch. Then the Brewers are going to send forth Anderson in Game 2 and Woodruff in Game 3. The Twins have not announced any starters yet. They had a rain delay this weekend and making up games, so... Not sure what they're going to do in that regards, but we are pretty familiar with them. We know they can still club home runs. So what are you looking for in this next twin series? Well, I think you mentioned it. Preventing those home runs is, is going to be a big thing. And you mentioned Burns, Anderson, Woodruff. I'm going to be excited to watch those guys just like I am every series, see what they're able to do. Don't want to jinx anything, but... I feel like this bullpen is really coming around. You kind of know before they even pan to the bullpen in what situations, kind of who to expect. You know, you know, your starter gives you five innings or so, and you just p- pitched Phelps and Williams the day before. You know, you're probably going to get a little bit of suitor that day. You just, you just kind of know what's coming, and you know their roles, and those players do as well which I think is a good thing for the bullpen and they just need to continue to pitch well. And we have a chance. I think for sure we need one in this series, but if we can go out and get two, uh, Burns has got a tough uh, pitching matchup in Mieta, but let's go out and get two and let's start turning this around a little bit, start putting some pressure on the Cubs and start distancing ourselves from the Cardinals, which on Google, they have the Cardinals in second. They're technically tied with the Brewers, both three and a half back from the Cubs, which I think is a little bit ridiculous because they have that last 10 stat. And in the last 10, the Cardinals are four and four. They haven't even played 10 games. They should be below the Pirates at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's still that's still weird to look at. the Pir- yeah. or At least the Cardinals are playing baseball again. Like, thank goodness. And then, of course, the Reds have players go out and test positive. So... Ugh, the NL Central can't catch a break from a COVID-19 standpoint. So after this twin series, though, we do have a bunch of division games coming up at the end of August. Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh again. So we we'll, should be able to make some leeway in that regard and start you know, distancing ourselves like you were mentioning. So, yeah, well, I think this twin series is important. It's not going to be as important as the in the in-division games coming up here. So... We do have that off day on Monday, so we're getting an extra day of rest. So Brandon Woodruff will actually get five full days of rest, which maybe it's a good thing given how he just kind of fell apart in this last start here against the Cubs. So I'm excited to see everyone rested and, you know, everyone's going to be available. And the Twins are just so damn good. So you want to you want to take some games against them. You know, if the offense continues the way they have, they're going to keep the Brewer in pretty much in any game that they're in. So starting pitching pitching in general i think if they're able to limit these down three zero early i think it's going to give them a good chance to win a lot of games the way the offense 
kind of bounced back for really three straight games against the Cubs. So the offense continues that. The starting pitching calms down a little bit early on and gets you through five or six with only a couple earned runs. I think we'll take that, and that's going to be a recipe for success the rest of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, settling down in the first inning, that's going to be huge against the Twins. I don't want to be recording the series finale as we're getting blown out and Jed Jerko's on the mound again. Let's <laughs> let's not relive that. <laughs> so I think that'll be it from a Twins standpoint. I did want to point out that the trade deadline is actually coming up on August 31st, so that'll be in roughly two weeks. Have not even thought about that until I was like, huh. That's coming up quick because normally in a, in a you know in a 162 game season or 100 whatever you're thinking okay two weeks beforehand you're really starting to narrow down who you want and now it's like I don't know you still can't really analyze anything because we're a we third of the way down the season. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that'll be interesting to see what happens uh, with the trade deadline, but it is something to kind of not let creep up on you and pay attention to here. So. Until next time, we will talk to you later, Brewer fans. Trust in Burns. <laughs>